0: Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Today is November 7th, and today we looked at Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, and then in verse 20. And First Peter chapter two verse nine for our sermon this morning, our teaching uh, during Reach Sunday, and Reach Sunday is a time that we take. Uh, quarterly or so as a church to to step back and to to examine um, and to really to review and become aware uh, of the work that God is doing in and through this body uh, to the ends of the earth and so it's been a long historically held position of our church to value missions to support missions to send missionaries to raise up those from within our own body to the to then go and and carry the gospel to the very ends of the earth and and the reason it's been a a concern of our church for a very long time is, well, as we explored this morning in, in our teaching, is that it's, it's God's concern, and, and it's God's concern because he wants to be known, and in him uh, is the fullness of life, and so we can only know the fullness of life if we, if we know him, and we can only know, know that if we hear about it, right? That we must preach and we must must declare the gospel, and so it, it's been Jesus's instruction, uh, the Great Commission, Acts chapter one, uh, verse eight, as well. So Great Commission is Matthew chapter 28, 18 through twenty, and then Acts chapter one. As we've looked in our Acts teaching series, is are his instructions to the to the apostles to wait for the Holy Spirit, and once the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they will receive power then uh, to the the power to declare or to bear witness to the truth of the resurrection that Jesus can change lives because he has defeated the grave and, and so it's we, again we are passionate about it because we see it in god's word we see the early church going we hear jesus's instructions that we are to go and to do this and, and the very reality is that that each and every one of us as we talked about this morning that if we are christians somebody has shared the gospel with us and so because we've experienced this good life this newness of life in jesus we then should be motivated to go and to share it, and to share it, and not just in our neighborhoods, but to the very ends of the earth. The way that we said it was the doxological view of missions is that uh, the the chief end of man is to worship God, a- and we missions exist because there are places where the worship of God does not, and so we should be concerned for those places. Doxology is just a, a big word that simply means to proclaim or to worship. And so we we want to emphasize uh, that. We want to highlight, we want to be a church who is about sending to the very ends of the earth. We want to be a church who is concerned for all people in all places that they hear about the goodness of Jesus. And so, uh, so on our on our podcast here today, we've got some questions from the sermon. And the first one is really about the nature of of, of God or, or God. What is God's greatest desire? It's a really good question. Let me let me read it here. It says, "I have the understanding that God's greatest desire is to be glorified." Um, is this statement different than what we heard uh, this morning that God's greatest desire is to be known in any practical ways? See, God is uh, that's a great question. God is about His own glory right? Everything that, that God does radiates back to himself. Now, that, that can feel or sound very selfish because, well, you and I are selfish. We're we're broken, but as, as we've heard in the scriptures, as we've heard in John, and we, we hear in the New Testament, uh, that there is no darkness in God at all, right? There's no deceit. There is, there's, there's nothing but light and life and truth in him because that's who he is. And so it's not a wrong motive for God to desire to be glorified, uh, yet he doesn't do it out of selfish gain because he exists perfectly within himself. Uh, it's what we see in the creation narrative. Even before sin enters the world, God creates this beautiful, wonderful world for Adam and Eve. Why? Because he wants to be known, and as he is known, then he is glorified. They get to experience the goodness of who he is. He, he wants to share that. So his his motive, his intention here is to share his goodness with us. So so yes, God is about his own glory, and, and he's always about his own glory. And when anything reflects back to him, it glorifies him in that it reflects and, and, and admits that God is good. So when we glorify God, when we bring glory to him or praise to him, we are admitting that he is greater than we could ever be that he is stronger and more sufficient than, than we are in and of ourselves uh, that he is worthy of praise uh, that he's above all things and, and that he is sovereign that he's majestic and so so God is about his glory and anything that that looks back to him as the one true God is glorifying to him is is proclaiming his excellencies. Uh, but as we as we look through the Bible, um, what what we see is that God is this very personal God. He's this very missional God, right? He is he is he is about seeking. He's about searching. He's about looking for uh, man and, and to be known by man. And so so I think as we were trying to dis- discern or different differentiate this morning is that, yes, God's God's ultimate purpose is is glory and his own glory. And there's, there's nothing selfish about that because when you are the creator of the universe and you are sharing of yourself, then, then it is, it is a right response to desire someone to experience the goodness of yourself. Um, it's, or the goodness of, of the gift that is you. It's why it's, it's, we experience this in part when we give a gift to someone, right? We've, Thoughtfully went out of our way to get them something that will bless them, something that they will find um, fulfilling or or meaningful, or uh, that it will be it'll speak to who they are. Right, they are going to enjoy it, and so we we get to experience this idea uh, of uh, of the goodness that God gets uh, in, in glory, in his own glory. And so when I give, when I give a gift to my kids, right, let's just say um, I give them, I give my my son, he's really into tools and he loves building things. When I give my son uh, a brand new tool, right? he enjoys it. He's excited for it. He's ecstatic about it and as the one who gives that gift I get to take joy in his enjoyment of it right and and so that's really that's really the way that we should think about when god when we say well God is about his own glory. It's not out of this selfishness. Uh, it's I'm giving my son uh, something to show him that I love him, that I care for him, uh, that I'm that I'm good, right? That he can trust me as his dad, that I'm in his corner when the hard things of life come around. And so um, it's the same way with our Father in heaven. Uh, Jesus tells us uh, over and over again that that our Father in Heaven is good and that He will take care of us. Uh, he, he compares it to the lilies of the field or the birds of the air, and how how much God loves them. Yet God loves us more than that, and so He will take care of us. Uh, and, and so, when God, when we recognize and we return worship to God, right? When we return in right response to God, that He is bigger than us, that He is greater than us, that He is the one in whom our life and our purpose and our meaning is found, it brings glory to Him, and and, and there's this enjoyment that he has, um, but yet he, he is the one that seeks us out first for that. And he was doing that that seeking um, uh, even before the fall, right? Uh, as he created the world and he created Adam and Eve, before, before there was sin in the world, he was seeking mankind out. So God's greatest desire is to be known, because if we don't know him, then we can't glorify him. We can't enjoy his goodness. And that's really what God wants. He wants us to enjoy his goodness goodness and the goodness of life that is in him in the very in very similar ways that we taste in part as parents or as friends, that when we give someone we love a gift, and it's not out of selfish gain that, we, that we're that we trying to coerce or coax them to love us more, uh, that, but it is, it is given out of a, a wholehearted generosity to say, I love you, I thought of you, I, I desire for you to know me better, um, and so I'm going to give this to you, and it's going it's to help our relationship to flourish. It's, it's very much the same. It's very much in a similar vein uh, with God. Yet, uh, what we experience in life is that we are broken, and so we do have all of these inklings of selfishness that, that that creep into the picture, yet for God, uh, he is not. He's not selfish at all, and he does nothing out of selfishness. And and so again, so um, God's greatest desire or God's greatest purpose would be is his own glory, um, and his greatest desire then is to, be, is to be known, because if we don't know God, we can't glorify God. And if we can't glorify God, then we can't share in the goodness of who God is, and that's really what he desires, and we see that uh, so spectacularly in in the pre and pre fall in the pre fall gar- garden with Adam and Eve, uh, specifically one of the ways that we see it is is when God creates Eve. He creates Eve for Adam. Adam has a job. He's got an assignment where he's to name all the animals. And at the end of that, he realizes that there is none like him. And that's where we get in chapter 2. We get the story of how God creates Eve. He causes Adam to take a nap, takes a rib from Adam, creates Eve out of Adam. When Adam wakes up, he says this beautiful Hebrew poem, Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He acknowledges that that she is part of him, that she is just like him. A- and really what God is doing there is he is reminding Adam of his goodness, of his generosity, of his love, that he is trustworthy. And Adam then returns in obedience, and as Adam returns in obedience and prays to God, it glorifies God. But but Adam has to know God, and so that's, that's really the first move that we see in the garden, is that out of his goodness, out of an overflow of his love, he creates Adam, he creates Eve, he creates the garden, so that we can know him, so that he can be known, and as he is known, then he is Glorified for who he is, and that is that is good. So this question really goes hand in hand. Um, But but if we believe. This question really goes hand in hand. And what we must be cautious about, though, is to think that our actions can somehow glorify God, which then wins us favor with God. That's not how it works at all. In fact, the very the very missional nature of God is that he seeks us out when we didn't even know that we needed him. He sought Adam and Eve out, Genesis chapter 3, when they hid in shame and they did not want any any part of him. So, so yes, God is about his own glory but God's greatest desire is for us to know him so that we can experience his goodness and then and then proclaim excellencies back uh, of thankfulness and praise and so that then we will we'll go well, we will go and share we will go and radiate right as we remember God's goodness we then also anticipate the work that he has for us to do so that's a that's a really good question another another couple of questions that came in uh, talk about or they, they discuss the the urgency of sharing the gospel. So let me let me go to our first one here. It says this: How would you go about preaching or sharing the gospel with people who claim atheism, those who show anger towards Christians, and not God? Uh, I think this is a really hard question. Uh, or, or I don't know if the, maybe it's not a hard question, but it presents a very a very difficult reality, and that is this: is that not everybody is going to be favorable to the gospel, and not everybody is going to be favorable to the message of Christ. In the early church we saw persecution, and we saw persecution in part because there was political persecution. In the early church, the the statement that Jesus is Lord uh, directly contradicted the claim of the Romans that Caesar is Lord. In fact, in fact, even when Jesus is asked about taxes, the, the the big issue is is not about taxes per se, but it's about allegiance. Uh, we, we view the lens in America in 21st century of taxes as a, a libertarian issue, right? Who has the right to my money? Who has the right to, to, to have a claim or take a chunk out of my labor? Um, in the first century, and especially for first century Jews, the, the coins you, you would literally pay your taxes with said, Caesar is Lord on them. And so, so it was an issue of allegiance, not just, not just autonomy or, or a libertarian sense of freedom. It was an issue of, of deep theological allegiance. By paying my taxes to this oppressive uh, government of Rome, um, I am admitting that, that Caesar is Lord. And, and yet, as a, as a first-century Jew, my, my first allegiance and claim is that Yahweh— is Lord right that God is sovereign, that God is King, uh, that God reigns supreme, and so by paying my taxes, am I violating? Am I violating my theological convictions? And and Jesus responds in that moment, and He says, uh, "Render to Caesar what is what is Caesar's." Right, uh, and so 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 in the first century, though, we get a picture that that the church the church had political oppression because they claimed the sovereignty of Jesus. And they did that in the face of uh, uh, an autocratic Roman government. Secondly, we also see persecution as we, as we walked in the book of Acts and will continue to walk in the book of Acts. We see it from, from historically religious Jews that, that they are persecuting the church because they thought that they finally got rid of this pesky rabbi named Jesus. And, and now his followers are perpetuating these same truths or, or same ideas. We know them that they are true. And 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 really, the 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 problem that these historical Jews that we see in the, in the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that they know that if there are this this vast movement of power comes out of out of what would be seen as their circle, that the Romans will clamp down on them and that they will oppress them even more. And so, really, it's out of a sense of political urgency. Uh, that they are trying to exterminate the church, um, so so they're facing great persecution. They're facing great pressure, and and so we we just we should know that in the fir- in the 21st century, and I think we're becoming increasingly aware of that within our context here in in Ames and Gilbert and Nevada and in Central Iowa. Um, we also have seen it within the the global church. We've seen it in the underground church that there are there's persecution. Um, but I say that, I offer that to know that, that we should not be surprised that there will be those who do not uh, respond positively to the message of the gospel. There will be those who are, in our context, that will actually say the gospel is hate speech, uh, that the gospel is actually harmful, and that, that sharing the gospel, that being a Christian uh, is, is actually detrimental to society, uh, and that it... it it, it offers no hope, it offers no healing, and so it must actually be eradicated uh, or removed uh, from our public spheres. So uh, we we shouldn't be surprised by that. So how then do we respond in the face of that? Well, in our passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if we keep reading a few verses down, because again, remember, Peter is addressing a group of believers that are being uh, highly persecuted. They are They are in the midst of trial and trouble. What Peter tells them, as you keep reading in the next few verses, he tells them to live such good lives, right? So to demonstrate with the substance of your life that the way of Jesus is far more livable, that it is way better than anything else that we could follow with our own modern philosophy or ideas or worldly Worldly thoughts, and I think that's that's a helpful note for us today. So, how do I how do I have gospel oriented conversations with people who are maybe they're atheists or they're agnostics or um, are they just they just really don't like Christianity and they don't like uh, the things of Christianity? Well, I think the first step here is: um, am I before I can win them to the gospel, am I winning them to myself? So, am I am I presenting myself as someone who is highly relational am i presenting myself as someone who is patient someone who is kind someone who is compassionate uh, not because that's who i am or who i've who i've um, convinced myself to be or 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 created myself to be right no, it's not that i dug down deep inside of myself and thought i just need to be a more loving person it's because jesus has transformed me and so when i win them to myself when i win people to myself then that that begins to uh, prompt other conversations, and, and I think if we can, if we can remove hostility by being peaceful people, uh, first and foremost, by by not always trying to uh, push back on on everything that we hear, but being question askers. How did you? How did you? Where did you learn that? How have you seen that to be true in your life? Uh, tell me about. Tell me about how that's bearing fruit in your life. What are the results of that idea uh, that are being fleshed out in your life? Right, as being question askers and learners, we can help people know that we, we are safe right, um, and th- that we can be trusted. And then secondly, I think it also helps us to then have these gospel conversations to say when someone says, well, you know, you're a caring person and you go, well, yeah, I'm, I'm caring because of my faith in Christ. That's what motivates me to be caring. Not, not having to go down the rabbit trail and, and realizing that it's going to be multiple conversations over time. It's probably not going to be one conversation after, and, and then everything's going to be fixed or changed or they're going to see the gospel with, with clear eyes. So I think having the mentality that how can I win this person to myself um, so that I can win them to Jesus. This is a, this is a common uh, missions technique, especially in creative access countries where the gospel or Christianity is outlawed. Um, you go in doing goodwill, uh, humanitarian work, so you're winning them to yourself uh, so that you can then build a relationship to win them to the gospel. So this is a common common technique, but I think it's helpful, especially in our, our current uh, day and age. And then the second question about sharing the gospel is, is this. What are your best recommendations for missions and continued relationship with those who, that do not believe Jesus as their Savior, friends or coworkers uh, who have heard the truth from you or others? What is the best way to pursue this relationship for Christ? Uh, so, so in the first question, we have well, I've got this hostile relationship. How do I pursue them for Jesus? And again, I think the best way is we win them to ourselves. We do as Peter says to this group of Christians that were being oppressed: live such good lives so that they can see the fruit of Jesus in you, and, and then allow that to spur on conversations. Uh, here, how do I how do I keep sharing the gospel in ways that somebody's not going to be? Um, they're not going to be they're not going to be muted to it, or they're not going to you know we don't want them to stop listening, right? Um, even though they, they might have heard the truth from us or from others in the past. Well, again, I think again this this goes to and in both situations, uh, is the importance of prayer. One of the things that we believe theologically uh, in uh, John chapter fourteen, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit: the Holy Spirit, the Helper will come, uh, and the the word for Helper in Greek is Parakletos. It literally means advocate or one who cries out on our behalf. And so what we what we believe is that is that without the Holy Spirit's intervention, without him crying out to our minds and to our hearts of, of the truth of Jesus and making our need known, we are going to continue to live in a state of uh, a Romans chapter one state. And in Romans chapter one, what Paul outlines is that is that God God gave us a sense of autonomy and he allowed us to choose our own way and in that we are actually captive to the to the depravity of our minds and so he out, Paul outlines this in Romans chapter 1 and so so what we believe is that we need the holy spirit to intervene in our minds and in our hearts to make our need known and to make the solution of Jesus clear that apart from that intervening work of the holy spirit we are going to continue to perpetuate and to live in a in a captive mindset to our own depravity a romans chapter 1 mindset and, and so whether you're facing a hostile engagement or or you're facing uh, or you're in in a relationship where they've heard the truth over and over again let me just encourage you to do this. Just continue to pray for that person or those people by name. Ask God to do a mighty work in their life. Ask the Spirit to begin chipping away at their heart. If they've heard the gospel before, uh, what they probably don't need you to do is sit down and, and re-explain the gospel. What they need is, is, is for God to seize a moment in their life Uh, where, where he can, where the Spirit, where they'll be soft to the Spirit's work and crying out to them, where the gospel will be clarified. I think, and the other side of it, too, is that you continue as much as you can uh, to to be relationally present to those that person or those people, so that when God does that work, when 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 they are soft to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that we are there to then uh, help to answer their questions or to help draw near to them and to say, "Let me again tell you about this guy named Jesus," right? And, and so, so I think I think as we as we walk through those relationships of sharing the gospel, are we winning people to ourselves? And that that might sound selfish or or, or we're making much of ourselves. It's, that's not it. It's, we want to we demonstrate that Jesus offers us a much more livable reality by the substance of our lives. And so we're working for the good of others to, in order to gain access to talk about the gospel. And then, and then secondly, so are we winning people to ourselves? And then secondly, are we praying for the Holy Spirit uh, to work in their life? And are we available then when the Spirit does work to, to be there, whether it's a shoulder to cry on, um, right? maybe it's God is, is using a, a difficult moment in their life, and you go, can I pray with you at this moment? Uh, you know, and they go, well, why would we do that? Well, let me tell you about this God that loves you. Let me tell you about this God that can change your life because he's changed my life. You know, we, we, we have those moments where we can have those conversations, and at the same time, we must also operate in the tension that not everyone will return in with belief. Not everyone will turn to Jesus in belief. Uh, there will be those who, are, um, uh, who who simply do not believe. We, uh, one of my favorite uh, examples of this is, again, in John chapter 4, Jesus is in Samaria, he's with the disciples in Samaria, and they spend, they spend two extra days in Samaria. And, and, and John's note is not that all the Samaritans believed; it's that many believed. Uh, Jesus, God incarnate, is with them in flesh, And, and yet they, not everybody believes. And so if there were those who rejected Jesus, when he was here on earth in the flesh, uh, we should not be surprised that there will be those in and around our lives and around our, in our families that will reject Jesus. Uh, Now, our job is to be faithful, to be praying for them, to be caring for them, to be sharing the gospel when it's available um, and, and, the, and the steps here are, am I winning them to myself? Am I showing that Jesus is a more livable reality? First Peter chapter 2, uh, 10 and 11. And then am I, am I asking the Holy Spirit to, to do a work in their life to make them soft to the gospel and help me be available and ready to respond to that in the moment and to, and to continue just talking about how God has changed me. So no. these are these are some really great questions I love that we we continue to wrestle with uh, how do we how do we share how do we vocalize the gospel because again as we've said in our series that changed people talk about what changed them well next week we will be picking back up in our acts series and so I can't wait to see you for that to join you for that in in God's word and I just love that we can create a dialogue around God's words with our questions and time here on the podcast well we'll see you hope you have a great week